welcome to Series 1, Episode 2 of Heart Points, a couples one-on-one roleplay podcast starring Zachary and Diana. Hello, my love. Hello. So, last episode we talked about basically what Heart Points was, uh, the first game that we're going to be playing, which is Dungeon World, and a little bit about the setting and your character class that we built ourselves using uh, Metzger's Class Warfare. Yeah! So today we are going to actually build your character based on the the rule book or the playbook that we made. Uh, we'll talk about some of your starting level moves so that people can kind of hear what we chose, and then we will get started. Yeah, I'm excited. Cool. I'm really excited for this character. You have your uh, you have your playbook. Yes. And you built a character before. You built when we played uh, Slave Pits of Drazu. You built a druid, right? No. I did not play a druid because I've never played a druid. What did you play? I was ha- I was an elf. I was half elf, I think. You're a half elf druid. You I don't turned think I was into Yahan because you chose. <gasps> oh, that's right! And I turned into a bear. That's right. Yeah. Damn, I was really good at turning into a bear. Honestly, I think some of my biggest problems with GMing Dungeon World has been the druid class because every time I play, somebody plays the druid class, and I always feel like it's just like abused like horrendous yeah i was a bear that entire game you were mostly a bear i I feel like that shouldn't be happening yeah but i also don't know how to stop it as the gm (laughs) well i was glad because i needed to be that bear but i'm not a druid now it did help you get out of the slave pits yeah it really did being a bear was helpful but your current class will not allow you to turn into a bear no it will not i will probably trip on my feet walking probably because you took the fool i did take the fool we're gonna take a couple minutes and let's build your character yes Let's do it. Dungeon World does a score modifier system the same way Dungeons & Dragons does. But its score modifier system is balanced in such a way that you end up with either a... uh, Between a minus two and a two for each score. It's a modifier the same way Apocalypse World might work. Right. So anytime you want to do something, you are rolling 2d6, adding your modifier score for a stat. Mm -hmm. And if it is a 6 or less, you fail. If it's a 7 through 9, a middling thing happens. And if it's a 10 or more, a good thing happens. Right. Super basic, super easy system. So the first thing that you want to do... uh, Well, actually, you can pretty much start anywhere. You might want to even start with gear first, depending on kind of what direction you want to go in. Right. Uh, But we have strength, dexterity, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. And from there, you need to assign your scores. We can go with... Assignment would probably be the best way to go about this. Okay. There are rules in the book for getting random scores as well, if you wanted to do that. No, thank you. old school Dungeons and Dragons style. No, thank you. Okay. No, thank you. (laughs) The scores are 16, which is a plus 2 modifier... 15, which is a plus one modifier, 13, which is also a plus one modifier, 12, which is a zero, nine, which is a zero, and eight, which is a minus one. Yeah. So you can assign those any way you want. Mm-hmm. Some things to keep in mind are like your basic moves. Right. Uh, you have hack and slash is your basic combat move if you're using a melee weapon, and that uses your strength modifier. Right. Volley is a ranged attack, is your ranged attack basic move, and that uses a dex modifier. Mm-hmm. Also, if you're using a weapon which is precise, that also uses your dex modifier, which one of your starting weapon options is a precise weapon. Right. So you might want to focus on dexterity over strength. Your constitution determines your max HP, which is 6 in this build. It's 6 plus your constitution score. 
why don't you go through kind of like what you're thinking for your character and, and we can talk about it. Sure. Um, so I'm envisioning my character as being really headstrong, definitely very stubborn. I think my character is smart, probably not very physically strong at all, and clumsy. So I don't know how that plays in. But I see her as being very headstrong, possibly being a bit hot-headed, because okay. um, she did run away from home. Yeah. Just, you know, like being quick on her feet. and Because the archetypes that we picked, I think, um, you know, we picked dueling. Well, we didn't pick dueling, but we picked that she would be a duelist. Um, we picked that she would be a bard, and we picked that she was a little bit clumsy. So I think that she's, like, she's very precise. She's very... She follows all the right moves when mm-hmm. she fights. Like, she knows exactly what, like, how to parlay. Parlay is not a word. Parry. Parry. There you go. She knows how to parry. She knows all the right moves. She knows all the, the techniques. If you've ever watched Princess Bride, the sword fighting scene, Enigo Montoya, you kill my yeah. father, prepare to die. Yeah. When they have that sword fight, they, they are, like, talking about real sword fighting techniques yeah. while they're doing it. So, like, she knows what those techniques are. She knows where her feet are supposed to be and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. She's never fought someone who's tried to kill her, though, so it's probably a disadvantage. She's very smart. She's very book-read. I like to think that she's, you know, got people skills. She did run away from home. I think she's personable. I think that falls under the bards. Yeah. 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 Um, But she's definitely not physically strong. So that's... I think strength is going to be her weakest one. Really? Her weakest? Yeah, I think so. All right. So, yeah. So why don't you go ahead and assign those? So I think she's going to be pretty dexterous personally. Okay. I think that makes sense. I think that's a good call. Um, and I made her constitution pretty high because... To give her some HP. Yeah. Well, to give her some HP, but also because I see stubborn falling under constitution. Oh. Hmm. Is that not I think where constitution more is for your physical constitution. Oh. But, uh, like, her willpower? Yeah. I think so. Like, I know you use constitution for things like fending off against, like, poison. Oh, so then maybe not that one. I mean, also, Constitution gives you more HP, more heart points. Right. So, um... <laughs> Definitely I, more heart points. I don't think you necessarily want it to be a dump stat, especially since, again, you are the only PC in this party. Right. So you don't want to get too, uh... Oh, now I don't know if that this makes sense. Too, too, uh, I don't know, too glass cannony. Right. What's the difference between intelligence and wisdom? Well, a good way to kind of think about it is looking at the basic moves, um, mm-hmm. how you utilize those stats. Right. Discern realities. When you closely study a situation or person, you roll wisdom. When you consult your accumulated knowledge about something, you roll intelligence. Right. So your intelligence is things that you already know. Your wisdom is your ability to learn things, I think. Yeah. Her, I mean, her wisdom's not the worst. It's just the second worst. <laughs> she just doesn't have any modifiers yeah. for it. She gets a no modifier for it. I think that could be because she's inexperienced. She's led a pretty sheltered life, and she, you know, hasn't really explored out on her own. So, of course, when she encounters a new situation, she probably doesn't know how to interpret it the first time. So I think that that stat is going to be low. I think her physical strength is low, too. Yeah. Um, she's very dexterous, and I think fighting against her, whoever would fight with her, mm-hmm. um, I think she did pretty well. But she's never tried to fight somebody who was trying to kill her. And we all know that anger, like, makes you Hulk strong. So she's fighting against somebody who's angry at her, I don't know that she'll necessarily um, hold by pure strength. Yeah. I think she would need her wits to get out of that situation. Her highest stats in order are she's really high in charisma. I think she's a really good people person. I think she's very good at manipulating people, which is how she convinced somebody to let her out of the castle, palace, house, wherever, and ran, run away also. She ran away to a town she doesn't know. Like, she hitched rides. She convinced people to let her go with them. I think she's pretty charismatic. 
At least part oh, of the way, okay. giving her food and stuff. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, and we'll, we'll definitely talk about that. So your current max should be 6 plus your constitution. So it should be 18. Because I changed my yep, constitution. Yep, so 18 heart points. Uh, and your damage is 1d6. So no matter what weapon you're using in Dungeon World, it's ba- your damage is based on your class. So 1d6. Right. Next, you're choosing an alignment. And you have three different alignment choices. You have good, neutral, and chaotic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I chose these alignments based on the options that were uh, available in Class Warfare. You get like a whole bunch of different ones based on uh, your archetype and your specialties. Right. I chose these three because based on what we talked about, I thought they were the most interesting that might fit the type of character that you want to go for. Do you want to go ahead and read those? Right. Um, so good is endanger yourself to combat an unnatural threat. Neutral is uncover a secret truth. And chaotic is endanger yourself in order to experience something new. Yeah. So the way that alignment works in uh, Dungeon World is whenever you do one of those things, you gain experience. And eventually they can change. They can grow with you. Um, But those are what they start with. Uh, And you gain XP by doing those things. I definitely think for my character, she's definitely chaotic, especially now. I don't know that she necessarily aligns herself like good or bad she sees herself as a good person like she's not gonna rob anybody Hmm. or murder anybody but i think that she sees herself a little chaotically like she's doing things that she knows like she ran away from home she knew that would hurt her family like she knew that that was going to be a problem but she did it anyway because it it served her purpose and so i think she's you know like a rebellious teenager but not how old was aladdin not aladdin jasmine probably like 12 yeah i feel like they were like 14 yeah they were all really young um like Romeo and Juliet. They did some stupid stuff and they were like 14. I think you're going to be a little older than that. Though, no, right? yeah, I definitely will be. But I'm saying like, I think yeah, that's yeah. like kind of her, like she's like, that's I think attitude wise and mentality wise, I think that's a little bit where she is. She was so sheltered for so much of her life. Like I see her as more like, it's weird saying 18 because I feel like that's so young, but like 20, you know, yeah, early, early adulthood where you're like, oh, I'm an adult. Let me spread my wings. Oh, look, I spread them too far. Let me bring them back. Uh, so the next thing is the race or background. I limited you to human. Yes. I hope you don't mind. I am so offended. I'm not offended. That's okay. fine. But you do have three different backgrounds that yes. you can focus on. And I do. these different backgrounds give you a different, uh, give you a new move, yes. basically. So the one background is focused on your uh, your formal raising um, as, right. a, as nobility. Right. The second background focuses on your secret training, learning how to do combat and fight with swords yes. or weapons. Right. And the third is based on the fact that you gave up everything to travel the world. Right. So I'm just going to go ahead and read what each one of them does okay. and then kind of make my decision that way. So the first one, proper training in texts. When you first in- enter a civilized set- settlement, someone who recognizes and respects your knowledge will offer you hospitality hospitality yes took me a second there hospitality as their guest the second option is secret training in swords when you've been defeated by an opponent you gain plus one armor against their attacks in the future until you defeat them and abandoned training to the world when you make camp in a dungeon or city you don't need to consume a ration so to be honest i'm between proper training in texts and abandoned training to the world. Okay. And I actually think I'm leaning towards proper training in texts. Okay. I think I actually know how to use that. I mean, I, the abandoned training to the world is, like, very simple, but I think I would have more fun with trying to convince people that I'm smart and that they need to help me. I think that'll be interesting. I think you can think of, um... I think you can think of the not, like... 
that as well as so originally this is a bard background um and it's bardic hospitality like it's good luck to be hospitable to a bard but i think this is more like they see you and they recognize that you are someone who maybe doesn't belong someone who is trustworthy someone who's knowledgeable kind of like the i guess the disney princess effect Mm -hmm. right they see you yeah. and people want to help you. They want to they want to be hospitable to you. That's how um, I honestly that's kind of how I envision this character. Like the beginning of a Disney well, maybe not the beginning, more like beginning middle of a Disney movie. Except the prince isn't going to save her cuz f that noise. She's a self-sustaining woman. So you're taking proper training in text? I think I am. All right. For your starting moves, you start with well read, which you get Yay. to choose an area of expertise. Uh, that your character knows a lot about. When you first encounter an important creature, location, or item covered by your bardic lore, you can ask the GM any one question about it. The GM will answer truthfully. So what uh, what did your character focus on the most when they were locked in their room? There are a couple that are kind of popping out at me. Mm-hmm. A bestiary of creatures unusual. Always good. Gods and their servants. Always good. Legends of heroes past. And spells and magics, but the only reason that spells and magics is looking that is looking good to me is just because I feel like that would be useful information. But I actually kind of think Legends of Heroes Past would have really intrigued this girl locked in a tower, her hair dangling out the window. Whatever, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what that's. But I think like the like action stories, hero stories. I think that like she's going off on a quest to find her, you know, become her own hero. I think that would be where she's kind of focused. Cool. I like that a lot. Cool. She read that book. Maybe she owns it. Um, let's skip ahead to, before we get to some of this other stuff, let's jump down to gear. Okay. So your load, the amount you can carry is seven plus your strength modifier. So um, I'm at six because my strength modifier is a negative one. Okay. So you can carry six weight worth of things. Right. You automatically start with a walking stick and 15 gold pieces. Okay. You also get to choose your... The first thing you get to choose is one from your defenses. So you can either start by wearing leather armor or have fancy, impressive clothes. So the practical part of me wants to be like, well, obviously leather armor. But where would this girl have found leather armor? I don't know. So I feel like TBH, she probably has impressive clothes on. So here's what I think happened. I think she planned running away for a while she made sure that she had her most normal looking clothes but she comes from a rich family so her most normal looking clothes are still like made out of velvet or silk or something like they're still made out of like really nice material like Mm -hmm. even if it's brown and she put dirt on it it's still going to look very impressive because it's made out of impressive material that's what i that's how i see it okay it's not helpful as like a player to know i don't have an arm i don't have any armor but I, I don't have any armor. So take impressive clothes. You also get to choose a weapon. Uh, you can choose a rapier. Done. A, pis- a rapier? Rapier. All I don't right. think a pistol makes any sense. And I'm sure as hell not walking around with a trident. That's... What? Tridents are cool. How am I going to... Aquaman why? walks around with a trident? I'm not Aquaman. Why would I have a trident? I am from a noble family. Why would I have one? That doesn't make any sense. You, you, you could make it make sense. I, Maybe I it's a family I heirloom. I can't. That, why would I steal a fa- family heirloom? I'm trying to run away and be inconspicuous. Well, where'd you get a rapier? Easily. 
those aren't marked with like a family sigil on it. If it's the family, this one's not. Why not? Because it, a rapier is easier to have multiple of than the one family trident that everybody knows is your family's trident. I like how you just locked it on. And it's like, and it, he said it. Now it had to be the family trident. Could just be. Who just has tridents? I don't Who know. just walks around with tridents? No, it's too obvious. Okay. A rapier is much easier to hide. Okay. And make it like it's easier to make a story behind it than like, oh, I just I just carry this trident because I don't know. I used to live by the sea, but now I'm going to a desert city where there's no reason for me to have a trident. I carry it for sentimental. It doesn't make any sense. A rapier makes more sense. I'm okay. going with a rapier. So you're taking the rapier. The rapier is close range. Right. It is precise. Right. And it is two weight. Right. So I only have four weight to play with. Yep. So the precise means that uh, you use dexterity when you're doing hack and slash instead Yay. of your strength. Close means that it is. Uh, I have to get right up in their five grade. feet. I think. To be right up in your grill. I'm right here. I'm gonna poke you. Well, hand means so the different tags for length are hand, which is you have to be touching. Okay. Reach, which I am pretty I, sure means that you get an extra five feet. I get to slap five you in feet the face if I'm, if I'm in slappable range. That's hand. That's hand. Slappable yes. range is hand. Yes, and then the next five feet is close. So kickable range. If I hop, what? No. if I hop and kick you. I mean, no, because then you would still be touching me, <laughs> so it'd be hand. Okay. A foot or two beyond arm's length. So, yeah. so a hop and a kick. Yeah. So, all right, whatever. Then you get to choose two adventuring gear yes. and bandages. Yeah. Hashish, dungeon rations, or a bag of books. What is the point of hashish? To get high. Yep. It also bears no weight. It's also very social. Yes. But. Would she... It's also 420 Blaze it. Well, what? Would she have access to hashish? I don't know this social climate around hashish here. Like, is that like, do rich families do it? Is it like, is it like Susan down the street with 1.2 kids and a dog possibly in a white picket fence who's like, oh my God, hashish in my household. Like what? I don't know what the deal is. I mean, I think it's pretty, I think it's pretty well accepted. Oh, so um, then I'm going to take it. It's nothing. Well, I mean... It's nothing. It you only get to choose two from that list, though. So you Yeah, also but I get... don't know what else I would take. I'm not taking a bag of books. Five uses and two weight. No, thank you. Uh, I'm going to take hashish and adventuring gear. The bag of books is pretty useful. Is it? Uh, yeah. Anytime you need more information on something, you can uh, roll to see if one of your books has information on it. Oh, and you know what? With my character, that might make sense. You mark off a use and take plus one to your roll for spouting lore. Now, you already do get a lot of really good bonuses to spouting lore, so you might not feel like you need it. I'm kind of thinking dungeon rations. Rations are good, too. Food is good. Right. And then adventuring gear. And with the adventuring gear, you also get bandages. Right, which is why I think that's good. Because I think she would have been, like, overprepared and packed a lot. She seems like the type of person who would be. Right. So I have two left. Oh, you dropped the hashish? I did. Now I'm kind of sad about it. I know. I talked you out of it, but now I'm You did. That's your fault. And then you get to choose one. Uh, You get to choose a a tome on your field of bardic lore. Tomb. Tome. You said tomb. A songbook. (laughs) Or Or a fiddle. Or a fiddle or mandolin. I did give you an instrument. You don't have any sort of like special, you can't cast spells with it, but you could get an instrument if you wanted an instrument. She wouldn't carry a fiddle. Okay. 
Only because, again, she comes from a rich family. Like, she would have access to, like, nice fiddles. Like, not a Stradivarius, but, like, a nice fiddle. Okay, well, you can have one if you want. Well, I don't want a nice fiddle. I'm trying to blend in. That's what I'm saying. Like, she wouldn't take the fiddle because she would want to blend in. Gosh. Gosh. All right, all right. Gosh. So it's either a songbook, something useless, or a tome in your field of bardic lore, which is not... I don't have a bag of books. I'm... So, to be clear, this last thing is not going to take up any weight. It's also not inherently going to give you, like, bonuses or moves or anything. It might come in handy, um, but I kind of thought of it more as flavor than anything. I'm going with the songbook, because I wanted to be a bard, and if this does nothing, then I'm going to sing really poorly. No. I'm very excited. Songbook! Like songbook! I have a songbook. Don't you think... Well, Green's Leaves. Do you want That's the song? a song. Can, maybe the songbook is on Legends and Heroes. Yeah, can we do that? It's a bunch of songs about like yes. ancient heroes. Yes. So it is the songs of bards because okay, backtrack with me. Bards would sing about legends and stuff, right? That's mm-hmm. how stories were passed. Well, they right? would also sing about current events, right? right? They yeah, would also and like real things that happened. Yeah. But so here's what here's here's what it is. This um, Legends of Heroes Past is actually, like, someone followed this bard around and wrote down all their songs. So it's, like, poems and songs about this bard. But it's of Heroes Past, right? That makes sense. Look at me. I'm so creative. I dig it. What? Now we have all your, most of your gear. Yeah. Because you took the full specialty, you also have a lucky charm. I do. So this is a blessed charm that grants you luck. What is it? What's the lucky charm that you took from home? So, <clears throat> very wealthy. Mm-hmm. And this is a little bit of real life. But she wears a very thin gold necklace okay. with a single charm on it. Okay. That charm is a little bit of onyx to protect her from evil forces and the evil eye. All right. Very cool. Very old school. So, one thing that we haven't talked about is that in the Esha Steps the setting that we're playing in. Demonic possession is a very real threat. In mm-hmm. the cities of the Pentopolis, uh, which you are fleeing one, trying to go to the another. Right. Uh, there are five city-states that kind of work in harmony and kind of keep each other in line and keep each other protected and well-connected. They exist partially because their walls and their magic rights allow protection from these these demons. Right. Right now I'm thinking of these these demons as like very old-school uh, jinn. Okay. Um, Ifrit and and these uh, like invisible forces of fire that can possess and take control of a human body, as well as other nasty things as well. Which I take largely because I just finished reading the Golem and the Jinn, which is so good. But I think demonic possession in this setting is a very real thing, so it would make sense that that this was something that was handed down to you. That I would have some sort of charm that protects against it. Yeah. So so you have this this small orb of onyx. Yes. On a on a gold chain. And it's like the size of I would say a small pea. It's not large. Cool. And it's easy to like hide underneath clothes. It's it's a very thin chain. It's a very small piece of onyx that fits underneath clothes so no one it's not very obvious people don't know that she has it okay so that's your lucky charm move having that item gives you luck which is another stat that you can use so you're gonna start with three luck all right you also have the move on guard when you single out a foe in combat you engage them in a one-on-one duel whether they like it or not and then this does a lot of really cool stuff based on if you win or lose the duel very cool we'll get there later on so uh you took nothing that will give you any armor so you have zero armor 
That is true. And then we want to choose a name. Yes. So, Segranza is Portuguese. Segranza is Portuguese. So, I'm just going to go ahead and list some of my Tia's names. <laughs> and we're going to see what happens. Well... I have some I have some great Portuguese Tia names. You had a name in mind that I, I shot down. Yes, you did. Do you want Nope. To, now I'm going ridiculous. Do you want nope. to talk about what that name was? I like Christiana. I like the way it looks when it's written, and everyone makes fun of me because it is very close to a particular famous soccer player. You can so, Nope, not Christiana. Conceição. 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 I don't know if I can say that. You can only call me Sound. I hate Conci. I don't like Conci. That's not a good nickname for Conci. But I have a Tia sound. How do I spell that? I, I well, it's Constance, but with a a s. It's a c a. It's a c a o. Okay. It's Constance, but without the Constance sound. I can call you sound. Yeah, I'm not going with that one. I don't like it. I don't like Consi. All right. You wouldn't go by Consi. Right. sound. You have to promise not to call me Consi. I promise I won't call you Consi. There's nothing wrong with that nickname. I just don't like it. All right. It is. I mean, I know a Consi, and she's a great person. I just don't like that nickname for myself. Only some NPCs will call you Kansi. No one. No one will. Because if someone does, I'm outsy. Okay. I'm ripping this paper up. You will hear it on this podcast. And then it will just be Heart Points, a podcast by a husband who's now being divorced by a wife. Kansi, <laughs> Sao. So Sao is, is leaving from, uh, from Forza. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's making her way to Seguranza. Yes. Um, and she's fled her family. Yeah. What was her family? Like, what... Her, we know her family were noble, right? And I mm-hmm. we initially started talking... So these, these city-states are run by guilds, uh, right? That are elected elected every couple years. Mm-hmm. A new guild is, is installed into power. Yeah. So we originally talked about maybe that she's from a guild family in Forza. Do we still want to do with that? Maybe she's just from an aristocratic family. Maybe it's just a rich family. Maybe it has royal ties in some way. Um, no, I think she comes from power. I think that's why she's running away. Like real power? Yeah. I think that's why she's running away, because she feels so stifled. And that's why she was protected. Okay. It wouldn't make sense if there was, like, no real... Like, if you're just... If there's no real power there, then there's no real threat. And I think that she was legitimately, like, really locked away. Like, she was protected. And so I think there needs to be power behind that. Okay. Which guild? I don't. I can't. I, I, I don't know. Okay. Well, we can we can discover that in play. Right. Um, we can do that in a bit. Uh, so how does sound look? I'd say she's well fed. Okay. She's, you know, from a noble family, been locked up in a room. Girl got a little meat on her bones. She's well fed. Okay. You know, she's not like, she's not like, she's not athletic because she didn't like run around and stuff. And she's not like built like that. She, okay. You know, she looks like she's not made to be traveling. Okay. She's definitely got joyous eyes. I was going to say fiery, but I think she's got joyous eyes. Okay. She's got a little sparkle to her eyes. All right. Maybe they're a little mischievous, but she's like a generally very happy person, I think. Okay. Um, she's got fancy hair. It's curly hair. Okay. But it is fancy. Like, it's not wild. It's not Merida-style hair. Like, it's, like, they're contained curls. hmm She's definitely got finery on, but it's, like, her worst clothes, but it is it is finery to everyone else who's not aristocratic it's aristocratic yeah so like to everybody who's not rich and from a noble-ish family like mm-hmm. this is finery to her this is like her lowest clothes like she tried really hard to blend in and she failed yeah yeah because it's made out of really nice clothes yeah I think she has a distinctive mark. She has a, a port wine birthmark mm-hmm. that starts behind her head a little bit where her 
hairline and her neck meet and it kind of travels up to right below her right jaw so it kind of moves that way okay and i don't know about a shape but it's a port wine state so like it's very obvious if she were to like put her hair up or put it to the left side she's very self-conscious about it so she hides it and she tuck she moves her hair over to the right side so that you can't see it okay but it is very distinctive and i think that it's like a like a family thing like everyone in her family has a port wine birthmark somewhere on their body okay and so like that would mark her if you as, know her as a ta- member of her family. Yeah, it would mark her as a member of her family if you know about her family. Like, if okay. you're from Forza and you know about her family, you know that she's a member of that family. Okay. But otherwise, like, you wouldn't know it. But that's her mark. And she hides it. She's trying to hide it. So, like, her hair's kind of flowing around her and it's she's got it tucked, to the, like, over to the right side so that you can't see it coming up on her jaw. But, like, if a really strong breeze comes through, you might be able to see it. Okay. All right, cool. So, yeah, that's... Uh, that's my girl. All right, I dig it. Yeah. So let's let's set up where you are in the session, and then we can stop, uh, and then can I really get started next week? Boom. Our story takes place on the Esha Steps. This is a massive stony desert plain mm-hmm. where rough, arid shrubs try to make their way through the ground um, and just struggle for survival. Uh, the people of the steppes have banded into small city-states that work together to try to survive against the heat and the the dryness of this uh, climb mm-hmm. and against the both natural and unnatural dangers that also inhabit the steppes. Mm-hmm. This includes uh, roving orc warbands, tribes of destructive demon-worshipping gnolls, and the, this constant threat of, of demonic, ethereal possession. And these cities have banded together inside the, the valleys that uh, pocket the steppes. These, these collapsed in hilly enclaves that sink below sea level um, and provide some protection from the rest of the steppes. Mm-hmm. And these five city-states were built up and, and are run by these guilds. And you, Sao have fled your oppressive family estate to try to escape to the largest of these city-states, mm-hmm. Segurança. Mm-hmm. Uh, known famously for O Coração de Segurança. Mm-hmm. Did I do that right? O Coração de Segurança. O Coração de Segurança. Yeah, the heart of Segurança. The heart of Segurança, which is a massive temple that lies in the center of Segurança. Right. So between Forza and Segurança, it is almost a two-day trip across mm-hmm. the Esha steppes. And you had to pay for a caravan to get mm-hmm. across. There was uh, this massive caravan company, this large caravan company, that takes payment in return for uh, leading you along the dangerous road to Segurança or between the cities of the Pentopolis and protection from the, the dangers that are there. So right. they're, they're simultaneously a guide and a security force. Right. And the caravan company is composed of about seven strong, burly, ferocious-looking men and women. Mm-hmm. And they are led by a gentleman named Narcissus. No, can you make it a better one? <laughs> no, his name is Narcissus. Oh, fine. Uh, they're led by a gentleman named Narcissus, who is this large man with a nasty pink and ragged scar under his left eye and a scraggly beard. What was your first impression of him when you met him inside the walls of Forza? 
probably like that I'm overwhelmed by him. Okay. But I recognize that I need him. I'm definitely scared. Like I'm definitely overwhelmed and scared by him, but I'm trying to hide it. Okay. And be like, you know, like puff my chest out and be like bigger than I am. You found him in your search to get out of the city. Mm -hmm. And I think you met him. You had to meet him in secret. You had to get in contact with him in secret. How did you you get in contact with him? How did you find him? I bribed someone who works in the castle but is younger than me. So like this, like the child of the cook. I think that might be the easiest one. Um, So like I, I bribed them with lessons something free and then my other question is how did you afford the massive extortionist cost that narcissus demanded in order to take oh you? i stole it you stole it yeah but like not like really stole it like i didn't like like steal something and then like sell it like i i was given an allowance though i wasn't ever allowed to go out and buy things okay. not really like i yeah, wasn't yeah. allowed to like go out on my own and buy things yeah so i like kind of like some of that money and then I started I definitely snuck into like my parents bedroom and stole the you know the underwear drawer money some of it you know everybody has that like drawer where they yeah. have money um so I definitely stole some of that but I hoarded a lot of my own money and like tried to not let my parents know that I was hoarding money and continued asking for money for an allowance okay I think that's how I did it so yeah so Narcissus runs this caravan company and he met you I think he was was not very he didn't care mm-hmm. so much about your background he might have thought it was a little bit funny um that you were running away because he could tell that you didn't you said you're about 20 years old yeah he could tell by the way you're dressed he could tell by the way that you talk that sound didn't belong out on the steps but uh he did it he took your money and accepted you on the caravan because he mostly thought it would be funny and uh you guys left about two days ago um, you got slowed down on the road by a family that got sick. Their youngest child took ill, and mm-hmm. it slowed down the whole caravan. And Narcissus is very angry about this. You've seen him kind of walking with the pack animals. You guys are traveling with camels and mules and these large blue-black birds named uh, called Terox. Uh, which are these large terrestrial birds, uh, something between uh, a shoebill crane are you mm-hmm. familiar with shoebills yes yeah they're my favorites it's only between like a shoebill crane and such like an ostrich animal. such a weird animal to be a favorite they're so cool so weird so these terox uh are these pack animals and they're carrying people's goods and their things and, and the the camp supplies of the caravan narcissus has just been complaining this entire time because you guys have been as the sun fell you guys started unpacking and getting everything ready for an extra night on the steps mm-hmm. that Narcissus was not planning for. He was not hoping for. But you guys are doing it anyway. You're breaking or setting up camp maybe a mile off the road to try to stay out of the way of bandits. And you can see in the distance on the edge of the horizon the hills and a raised wall and the dim lights that are shining off the horizon that are lit in this purple hue that signal Segurança and the lights that it burns to try to protect Ope from demonic uh, intervention, right? Um, because the demons get more active at night. It's about another half day's walk to Segurança. Probably, but it's not safe to travel at night. Even with the lanterns burning, um, the pink Sephira crystals that keep the demons at bay, it's not safe to travel. 
So the company has set up camp in looping circles and lights their fires and lanterns and has set up a perimeter guard around the camp. You've been traveling for almost two days with the caravan company. Who have you come to enjoy the company of over the course of this walk? Mm, Oh, an older couple. An older couple? Yeah. Okay. Definitely, like, older people who are, like, their kids are grown. Maybe they didn't have kids. They are leaving town for whatever reason, and they're going off for a new adventure in their twilight years. And I've kind of befriended them, and they've kind of befriended me. Okay. Uh, So this is Gilberto and Flora. Okay. Oh, those are good names. Um, And when you say older, do you mean, like, really old? I mean gray. Okay. All right. So, yeah, I think... So Gilberto and uh, Flora are leaving Forza for Segurança because they have family there. Uh, her son moved, th- or their son moved there to be a, uh, a member of the guard. Um, he's a member of the town guard in Segurança. And he is also a passionate worshiper of Ukorosan, at Ukorosan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they are too. They may be, they're maybe a little less passionate than their son is. But they uh, they view Ukurasau as a holy place, and they're going to live with their son and um, and and be closer to this this city that that they care so much about. What what is it about Gilberto and Flora that that you uh, that you like so much? When I joined the group, Flora smiled at me, and she was the first friendly face that I saw when I joined this group because I'd just been staring at a really scary man with a scar on his face. Okay. Um, and so I kind of just moseyed my, moseyed my way over there. Also, I kind of just figured it would be easier to join an older family because it would draw less suspicion than traveling on my own if it appeared as if I was traveling with family. So I think, I think camp is, is, being, is being assembled and, and tents are being put up. And Narciso is walking around very, like, his shoulders puffed out and he's grumbling and just very annoyed and shouting at his people and shouting at the other the members of the caravan. And you go to a small fire that uh, Gilberto and Flora have set up. Uh, they have this fire and they have a rack over it from which hangs down these, these uh, crystals tied to wires. Um, and there are these little pink crystals called Sephira. And as the fire licks at the crystals, they kind of let off this, this light pink glow and this very like pleasing scent. And Flora sees you. She goes, come, dear, sit down with us here. Have some bread. She pulls out a, a little a piece of bread yes. um, and hands it to you and, and, and pats down at a Is map. it Broa? What is broa? It's like that really thick, dark, darker bread. It's like really dense. Oh, I love that stuff. Yeah. Um, it's like dense. No, I was thinking more like uh, pao de chorizo. Pa- so like pao it, like chorizo? there's meat inside the bread? Yes. Okay. So it's like a meal yeah. by itself. Okay. Yeah. Um, so she pao pats down. Con, con. Con chorizo. Yeah, it's not. Oh, sausage. Pao it's with sausage. Chorizo. Yeah. Now I'm saying it weird. She pats down at a mat by her side and says, come sit with us, rest with us. I sit, I eat. Shoot, yeah, food. I love bread. Gilberto is, is, he's got his his hands crossed and he's staring at the fire and um, he seems worried, but Flora's trying to be uplifting and she kind of like pats your, your, your knee and she goes, how are you doing, dear? You know, I'm very excited. I'm excited for a new journey. 
and for seeing new people. So I'm telling them that I'm going for this heart. No, I'm going to the town for this. You're heart. also going to see. That's what I'm telling them. Okay. That I'm going to see the heart. I'm like I'm very excited to see the little um, sound. Flora nods and she says, "It is. It is beautiful. It's a sight to behold." And uh, I think Gilberto looks up and he goes, "If we ever get there." I ignore him. He's very gruff. I'm ignoring um, him. Flora, I think, waves him off and says, "This fool is so worried that one dent in his plans, he thinks we're all doomed." Typical men. <laughs> Gilberto like gives her a look and he goes, Do you not see Narcissu and how worried he is? We should not be here. We're so close. We should have kept going. We should be there by now. Uh, and he turns to you and he goes, are, Aren't you worried? You look at the, our caravan company and, and they are all, they're all so anxious. Are you not worried? No, because it just makes the adventure all the more exciting. I think he huffs. And he goes, uh, typical of a naive young child. And I think that's kind of unusual for him. He's been pretty, like, happy and go lucky the rest of this trip. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, <laughs> he's so angry at Gilberto already. He's, he has not been like this for the rest of the trip. Unusual. Yeah. So, uh, what do you do? I ignore him and continue talking to Flora. So I think you, uh, are, are, you hang out with Gilberto, Gilberto and Flora mm-hmm. um, for, for a little while, um, talking and sharing with their food, and, and they're happy to give it to you because yeah. you're young and they kind of feel like you're in need. Which was the point of old people. I think they know that there's something up with you mm-hmm. because it's unusual that a young person dressed so finely would be out in the steps alone so they know that there's something unusual but they haven't really broached the subject yet and you're with them for a little while when from the far side of camp you hear shouts and it sounds like maybe it's the company men shouting and yelling at one another and but you can't quite make out what they're saying what do you do i stand up and i see if i can get a better look from where i'm currently standing roll discern realities So loud. That was really loud, sorry. And what do I... So you add wisdom. Okay, so I got an eight. All right. So uh, seven through nine, ask one. So you get to ask one of those questions. All right. So I am going to ask you, all right, is it what is about to happen or what should I be on the lookout for? I'm going to go with what is about to happen. Okay. You just barely make out the word null raiders which you know to be these demon-worshipping hyena folk that roam the, the roam the steps. Just in that moment, suddenly, the camp breaks out into chaos. We're going to end there. Okay. Thank you guys for joining us. We will be back next week continuing yeah. the story of Sal and uh, Segaransa. Yeah. I hope that you enjoyed this uh, character building session. Um, it's going to be mostly storytelling from here on out. Uh, we've gotten most of the... Deets. Yeah, most of the housekeeping out of the way. Yeah. So we're going to move on to storytelling stuff. Once again, if you could... Uh, if you want to follow us, please make sure that you find us on iTunes or your favorite i uh, podcast app. Um, please subscribe and give us a good rating if you enjoyed us. Follow us at at Heart Points Pod on oh. Twitter. Yep. At at 
Uh, and uh, once again, thank you to Zach, our editor and producer, and thank you to In Love with a Ghost for letting us use their song Chilling at Nemo's Place for our theme song. Uh, is there anything else, that L? Have a nice day. Have like a, a really nice one. Have a really nice day. Thank you.